I'm Laura Palmer, host of Island Crime. Season six, Sweethearts, is the story of three teenage girls who were all murdered in Victoria, Canada within about 12 months. So she was scared. Something out there scared her. You've just created the playground where predators can really thrive. She was a 16-year-old girl. She was a sweetheart. Listen to Sweethearts at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get podcasts. Find your frequency. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Even if you've been lucky enough to never need it, we've all been conditioned to know what to expect when we dial 911. what's your emergency, please? And that is what most people get. But in Canada right now, most people isn't all people. All lines are busy. Please hold. The most recent alarm over 911 failures was sounded in Brampton, Ontario, where a family was subject to a home invasion. One member was able to hide in a bedroom and dial 911 and had her call placed in a queue. By the time they finally got through, the invasion was over, the attackers long gone. In Toronto recently, multiple witnesses to a collision that left a motorcyclist badly injured all tried to get through to 911 with no luck. This is not just an Ontario issue. Communities across the country have struggled to answer 911 calls in recent years for a number of reasons, and sometimes that has forced family members to drive relatives suffering heart attacks or other major medical issues to the hospitals themselves rather than wait for an ambulance. So what's happening here? Just how often does someone find themselves on hold with 911? What should you do if it happens to you? And why, as every other service moves well into the digital age, is 911 still totally analog? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Graham Frisk is a reporter for the Brampton Guardian and Mississauga News. Hey, Graham. How you doing, Jordan? I'm doing great. Thanks for finding time for us. Oh, thanks for having me on. Why don't you just start by telling us uh, what happened to the Deal family in Brampton when they called 911 back on July 1st this year? So yeah, it was about 3.15 uh, and 3.30 in the morning. The Deal family, uh, Nia and Jolly, and uh, his parents were fast asleep. Suddenly, five masked men busted through their front door. Uh, one had a gun and basically tore through the house and wanted cash, uh, jewelry, and uh, the keys to their car. And during this event, while this was happening, the mother-in-law, she was in her room. She tried dialing 911 and was put on hold and then was interrupted by one of the assailants and had to hide the phone. That phone, at that point, that call ended. And then after that, um, after the, the whole incident, after the suspects had fled the scene, Neil tried to call 911 two more times, and both times she was put on hold. And one of the times she said it was for nine minutes. So yeah, it was a pretty harrowing experience hearing the family tell that story. And uh, that's sort of what started off the whole coverage of this 911 situation that uh, we have going on in Peel region and, and, and I know other places uh, across the country as well. This is really scary because obviously when people call 911, they're either in an emergency situation or uh, even if it's not quite an emergency, in serious distress. What did the police service say about this kind of failure? 
they basically said that it's becoming a regular occurrence and that people should be prepared to possibly be put on hold. They've said there's basically over in Peel region anyway, the number of calls to 911 has increased 76% over the past five years. They said that they get about 1,800 to 2,200 calls per day, and 40% of those are non-emergency or accidental dials. So it's something they're trying to deal with. Um, it's something they're trying to, to work through, but it's a serious problem right now. Leaving aside this one incident, which is obviously terrifying, when you say, like, it's a regular occurrence, or when they say it's a regular occurrence— what are we talking about here? Like, how common is this? And and what are the common kind of lengths of delays? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people listening right now thinking, like, this is kind of unacceptable. They haven't released any specific statements or any specific numbers about how often people are put on hold and for how long. But the chief recently said that the average hold time is up 450% over the past five years. So, and that's coming directly from the chief of police in Peel region. So, you know, another example, uh, Ward 2 counselor Alvin Tejo, his father had actually fallen off a ladder while doing some work on the house and broke his arm and severed an artery. The way he told us the story was that uh, his brother was there at the time and and called 911 and again was put on hold and was on hold for so long he just decided to drive his father to the hospital himself to the emergency room himself and once he got to the emergency room still hadn't had an answer from the 911 dispatchers and so at that point he hung up because they were at the hospital well it was another 10 minutes before they called <laughs> so that's another concerning example of sort of just what's going on here why are there so many more calls to 911 here you know this is a populous center of the country. It shouldn't be an issue to be able to answer calls quickly. This is not, we can talk about rural versus urban in a minute. This is not rural Canada. This is like right next door to Metro Toronto. Where are these extra calls coming from and why can't we screen them out? Yeah, there's about a million and a half people in Brampton and Mississauga alone. What's happening is like Brampton's uh, especially, it's the fastest growing city in Canada. So that's part of the problem. It's just uh, a massive explosion of population growth and infrastructure just not keeping up with it. And, it's, it, you know, this is just another example of that on top of healthcare and on top of housing and, and all these other things. And it's just that the, the funding and the infrastructure isn't keeping up with demand. So th that's sort of one of the reasons that's been happening in Peel region specifically. But another problem that uh, police have also pointed out is a recent update, I guess, to, to the Android phone system. It's got this thing called uh, emergency SOS, where if it's activated, all you have to do is push the power button five times and it'll automatically dial 911. And you have to actually go in and turn that off. And, and so in Peel region, that's one of the reasons the, the pocket dials. Also, they've said that, you know, 40% of the calls they're getting are non-emergency calls. Can you give me a couple of examples of what like a non-emergency 911 call is that, you know, somebody would make intentionally, but not necessarily? Yeah, they, they put out a list uh, every year of different frivolous calls that they get. One example was um, during an Amber Alert a few years ago, somebody called 911 because the Amber Alerts, you know, that pops up on your television, on your phone, had interrupted the Leafs game. And I guess this person was upset about that. Uh, other people were just annoyed by the Amber Alert system in general. But other ones, um, people called 911 for power outages. Another example was, that, you know, a, their dentist chipped their tooth, so they called 911. So th there's a lot of kind of really silly things at certain times. So I'm looking forward to this year's list. I haven't seen that one yet, but uh, <laughs> in the past, those are, just, those are just some examples, yeah. So Brampton is one thing, and the surrounding region, fastest growing area in Canada. I guess I can buy that, you know, the influx of volume can challenge a system. 
Tell me about other examples in Canada. This isn't the only place where it's happening. No, not at all. You know, it's through my research, I found that uh, BC's got a pretty serious problem as well that's been going on for a few years now. I think it was in 2021 that their call dispatchers um, sort of raised the alarm that they're just understaffed and that they can't handle the influx of calls. The union just this past August basically said the same thing, that they're understaffed, they're underfunded, and it's putting people's lives in danger. One story that stuck out to me that, that I remember when it came up was in 2021 in BC. There was a 72-year-old man named Harry Charles Blakely who uh, he collapsed in his kitchen and his family was luckily there and they called 911 and were put on hold for 30 minutes. And about 15 minutes into that call, he passed away. So, uh, I mean, this isn't just something that's happening in Ontario or Toronto and it, it is a, a countrywide problem. Have you been able to get any justification from anyone for why this service in particular is not funded properly? Well, to be fair to the, the last uh, Peel Region budget has included funding for 10 new dispatchers. Now, they have to be trained. That doesn't happen overnight. And in addition, I, mean, I think it's become such a problem now that the provinces are realizing it. And I think this is also has to do with some new CRTC regulations that are coming up. But um, Ontario, for example, last year dedicated $200 million to sort of upgrading the system and hiring more dispatchers. And in BC, I think it was also last year, put forward $150 million to help try to help bolster their service. So I think there's a realization that there is a problem and they're in the process of trying to fix it, but um, we're just not there yet. My name is John Cullen and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. How do other places handle 911 calls? Are there any different systems, different approaches that we might be able to emulate given that increasing population and uh, proliferation of new cell phones is not going anywhere? Well, I think it's in the interim. I mean, I think it's just it's a matter of staffing. The whole system's changing over. I mentioned the CRTC thing there earlier. I mean, we're moving on to this new sort of upgrading the system to kind of catch up with the times. I think most of the uh, 911 systems in Canada are still analog. Yeah, this is the next generation of 911, right? I, this was my next question to ask you. Maybe just explain a little bit about what that is, what it looks like. Nobody's implemented it yet, so we don't know exactly what it looks like. But I mean, the idea behind it is that uh, behind this next generation 911 is that you can contact them in other ways. So, for example, you can text them and, and you can send videos of accident scenes and whatnot and, and sort of give more information. So, so it's sort of just bringing it into the digital world and adding some new things that you can do. On the CRTC website, it says, um, you know, a deadline will be set for this. I've heard it's 2025 that everybody has to kind of be compliant to this new system. But that's the gist of this next generation 911 is it's just going to give callers and dispatchers a lot more options to deal with calls as they come in. Do you have any advice either from uh, the police, the municipality, or just from people you've talked to for what people should prepare for. I know, obviously, it's difficult to think about preparing for a time that you might need to call 911, but like, what kind of wait time should people expect? What should you do if you end up placed on hold with 911? Like, any advice? 
the way that most of them work, they don't they don't put you on hold. It's basically just you're put into a queue, you know, right. sort of like when you call Rogers or something like that. But their advice is don't hang up because the way that shows up on their system, again, it's an old system, it just shows up as a hang up. And the policy is when somebody hangs up on a 911 call, the dispatcher has to call back. Oh, interesting. Just to verify that, you know, this is, you know, wasn't an actual emergency. So that takes up a lot of time as well. I mean, yeah, they're trying to educate the public when to use 911 and when not to use 911. And that, that's basically been the, the main approach by all police services and 911 services is trying to educate the public. But that, that doesn't seem to be working, right? So, right. So, yeah, I mean, there's not much advice you can give. Hopefully, you get through as soon as you call. I think that that does happen most of the time. But when there's higher than average call volumes is when you'll run into this. And depending on where you are and how busy it is, I mean, who knows how long you'll be put on hold. So their their advice is to just stay on the phone and somebody will be with you shortly. But that that's basically all they're telling people right now. There's just, there's really no other option at this point, you know, until we get into this new system and we'll see how that works and if there's any growing pains. But in the meantime, it's just try your luck. And that's, I'm sure, not comforting to anybody (laughs) that's listening right now. So, but uh, that's kind of the situation, unfortunately. I want to ask you, and and you may not know the answer to this, there may not be a specific answer to this question, but well, I'm sure both you and I and everyone listening understands, like, don't call 911 if you're annoyed by an, an Amber Alert. Don't call 911 because your power went out or anything like that. I'm wondering if there is a line, and here I'm thinking, like, specifically of medical events, which is obviously one of the main reasons uh, people are told to call 911, right? Like, there's all those PSAs for watch for signs of a stroke or a heart attack and that kind of stuff. When should people be making that determination, like, this is an injury and it's quite serious, but I can get someone to the hospital or or I need an ambulance, like right now. The line that they have communicated to us when when we asked the question was, if your life is in danger, if you feel your life or somebody else's life is in danger, that's when to call 911. Um, Otherwise, don't, you know, or a crime is being committed actively. Um, That was the other one. So if if you're witnessing... Don't call right after the crime. Yeah, you can call the reporter crime. You can do that. But I mean, but to use the non-emergency services, if somebody's life isn't in danger or you're not witnessing a, a crime in progress, How many people do you think know how to contact the non-emergency services number for their local police force? Oh, you'd have to look it up, right? So they could do a better job communicating that. Well, exactly. That would be that'd be a good start. I think that making their their numbers a lot easier to find. I know actually, there's um in my research, I found that there are some places in northern Ontario that they don't have access to nine one one. So they actually that's their only way to be able to contact emergency services, and they need to have three numbers that they have uh, on basically on hand at all times for emergencies. Right. So you know whether it be for fire, police, or ambulance. So that's it. That's it. I mean, use nine one one when when there's an actual emergency and for everything else just look up the number and call the call the number and people i guess should hope that there won't be any delays but be prepared perhaps until i guess 2025 when we're hopefully equipped to to move to the next generation yeah but but, but even the next generation all the technology in the world isn't going to you know um, help if there isn't enough dispatchers right so i mean i think that's the main thing that i think governments need to focus on is to make sure there's enough people there to take the calls so we'll see how this all plays out. It sounds like they're they're putting some money towards it, but you know how government works. Yeah, you cross your fingers and wait and see, which is apparently what you do now if you call 911. Yeah, in a lot of cases, that seems to be the case right now. And uh, yeah, people are pretty upset about it, and rightfully so. Graham, thank you for walking us through this. I had no idea this was happening. It must be terrifying if it happens to you. And thanks for telling us about it. Thanks for having me on. Graham Frisk of the Brampton Guardian and Mississauga News. That was The Big Story. For more, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. 
You can get in touch with us always on Twitter at the Big Story FPN, via email, hello at the Big Story Podcast.ca, and on the phone. Analog, just like 911 416 935 5935. We won't put you in a queue. We also won't talk to you. You just get to leave a message. The Big Story is available in every single podcast player and, of course, on smart speakers. Just ask them to play the Big Story podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. Hi there. I'm Gavin Crawford. I'm a writer, an actor, and a comedian. And for the last eight or nine years, I have been navigating life with my mother's increasing dementia. Has it been sad? Yeah. Has it been funny? Also, yeah. That's what my brand new podcast series, Let's Not Be Kidding, is about. It's the true story of my life as a comedian, my mom, and dementia. Let's Not Be Kidding. With me, Gavin Crawford. A new seven-part series from CBC Podcasts. Available now.